Well, we find ourselves at the end of our journey called Lent. It's a journey that comes to the, ultimately what this week is, is Holy Week. The, the participation and following in the footsteps of Jesus's last week. It's one that throughout the history of the church, Christians have done uh, a number of different things from found themselves going to the Mount of Olives and reenacting this story and to later on to each of the moments during this week. And, and we'll be able to do that together as a congregation, at least for one of the nights on Holy Thursday here at 630. It, it's a week that we want to invite you to pray, to reflect, perhaps Perhaps even to read the Gospel of Luke's end week of Jesus's life and ministry, because next Sunday is a Sunday where we'll gather and we'll celebrate. And we've been doing this series, Cultivating and Letting Go, because for us, I think that there's so much about that, that we, especially post, like moving into this post-pandemic, you know, time when, you know, we can see each other without masks on and smile and be in public places, doing more and more. We also have to learn about letting go as much as we're learning about the things that we're hoping to cultivate. So, you know, people talk about Lent as that time when you take on more, right? But we've been saying it's not just about, or not take on more, but you give up. But it's not just about give up. It's also about cultivating growth. And we've been looking at it through the lens of a farmer, and uh, as I've been talking about as a lens of a parent. But today I want to talk about this story from the lens of the people that were there. The people that were there. Because I think that this story is almost unintelligible if you don't place yourselves in the shoes of the disciples, of the Pharisees, of the standerbys during the time period when Jesus comes in. And I think it's very important for us as we talk about this idea of cultivating and letting go, because ultimately everyone in this story had to learn how to do that, even Jesus himself, even Jesus himself. Can you pull me down just a, a tiny bit? Uh, and what I mean by that is, First of all, one of the things I love about this story is that there's, it's so rich and you can kind of go after it in so many different ways. But the, the most important way to understand this story is the period within Jerusalem that it finds themselves. I don't know if any of you listen to uh, BBC World News and you may, have, may or may not have heard about the government and Israel kind of in flux right now because the leadership you know, lost their majority and there's all these things and they're kind of anxious because right now they're headed into Passover in Israel. Passover is one of the most, the high religious holidays. And so currently the leaders of Israel had this somewhat anxiety right now about who, who's in charge and you know, what's gonna happen on this high holy day. Now take that feeling currently in the 21st century and times it by probably 10, because back during the time of Jesus, it was the Roman Empire that controlled the lay of the land. And, and they liked to hold their posture and authority over everyone and, and remind them. And at the time, you may have heard of this character that we're gonna talk about later in the week, this Pontius Pilate character, right? The one who is supposed to be in charge of the region for the emperor. He is the ambassador for the emperor within this region. And he often spent his time in the luxurious, you know, you know, giant house kind of closer to the Mediterranean uh, most of the year, except for one time during the year, he would always come back to the city. 
One time during the year, he would always come back into the city. And it was the time in the year when the people of Israel would celebrate that time in their history when God freed them from bondage, to free them from the oppressive, uh, like, you know, the oppressive regime of the, Egyptian, uh, the Egyptians and Pharaoh. And that holiday is Passover. That holiday is Passover. So, you know, the, in, the current Israelis that are, you know, having this anxiety about who's in charge, that was times 10 during the time for the Roman Empire because here this minority people that control the, uh, most of the population was gathering in Jerusalem to celebrate a time in their history when God miraculously overthrew a much more powerful empire and helped them free them so that they could be their own people. So if you put yourself in the shoes of Rome, if you were there, you would be a little anxious about this holiday as well. And it's exactly what would happen during that time, is that Pontius Pilate would come every time at this time into the city for one reason, to remind the Jews that it will not happen again to remind the Jews that what happened at Passover thousand years ago that led the Egyptians or led the Israelis or Israelites out of Egypt would not happen again, not under the control of the Roman Empire. And you might, you know, wonder to yourself, well, one of the images that stood by me, Quinta, do we have the images up and ready? One of the images for me that uh, uh, kind of stands in the contrast of what this might look like is first, can you show the image of the, the tanks in the image? So you might have seen an image like this, right? This is happening happened in Ukraine a number of weeks ago, and this was the convoy that was on its way to Kiev. And, and I couldn't help, as I was thinking about this story, think about this image. Because what was trying to be displayed in this convoy. It might not have been the best military tactic, right? Clearly it wasn't. But what they were trying to display to all of the earth is that Russia has the power to destroy this place. You can pull that down, Kwana. We'll go to the next one in a little bit. But Russia has the power to destroy this place. And so on Passover, Pontius Pilate would come in in almost identical ways, just different equipment, into Jerusalem and he would have the carriages, he would have the soldiers, he would put people on the cross along the roads with all the might of the regime of the Roman Empire to remind them of what? The same thing, that Rome could devastate this place. So stay in line, so stay in line. And, and I paint that picture because it's just so, so, so essential to understanding our story a little bit. You know, the reason that you have some of the poems, although they kind of probably wave down a little bit, it's not too exciting at the beginning of the sermon. The reason that we have the poems, because at the exact same moment, according to the writer of Luke, that Pontius Pilate was coming into the city with all of the might, all of the regalia, everything to show Israel where they stood and put them in their place. Here comes this one that's been saying he's the Messiah. 
or at least people have been saying that about him. And friends, if you don't know what that meant for ancient Jews, it meant that he was going to be the one to stop the Roman Empire, to bring back God's holiness to the city of Jerusalem, to right all the wrongs, the expectations of the Pharisees, even of the disciples, was that Jesus was going to be king. And you can hear it in the voice of the Pharisees. You know, they often get this, like, you know, kind of bad guy mentality. But here they were. They got Jesus up on a colt, and they, they started laying cloaks down in other gospel narratives, putting palms down, and start singing to him. And the Pharisees are just, just trying to tell the disciples and to Jesus, stop, stop. Do you know what's happening on the other side of the city right now? We, we can't be doing this. It's not okay. He is not, maybe he's the king. Maybe. We hope he is. But you can't say that out loud because look at everything they have. They've got the tanks. They got the people up on the crosses. They're going to put you in jail. So the Pharisees are saying, stop. Don't do this. And then what's Jesus say? Let them sing. And it makes zero sense to the practical mind because the Pharisees were right. They were right. If Jesus was going to be king, he had to stop doing that. Because the more Pontius Pilate saw Jesus as a threat, the more likely he would end up on the cross. The more likely they saw Jesus as a threat, the more likely he would end up on the cross. But Jesus goes on anyway. And then he doesn't just do that, but the scripture just after this is he goes to the temple. <laughs> As a reminder, remember the time when, like, we don't want to cause, like, any sort of excitement or no one's going to revolt on this day. You know, Pontius wants to make sure everyone's uh, in line and all that. He goes into the temple and starts throwing over tables and yelling at people saying, this is not the money changer's house. And you know who was up there at the temple walls monitoring what was happening in the city and what was being said? Because the minute they heard of, hey, hey guys, we got a new king in town. Let's, let's do this thing, right? What, what do you think would have happened? They would have come off the walls and down into the temple and made sure everything stayed calm. I, I paint that picture because it is how we ought to view this story. And I, I think it's so essential because we've been talking about cultivating and letting go, right? Every single person there had a hope about what was to come. And everyone, except Jesus probably, lost that hope later on in the week. In the same way that you can't understand the story without the context a little bit, we can't understand the story without remembering Friday and Thursday. That this story is the beginning of Jesus' path to the cross. And for everyone there, their hope was that it was Jesus' path to the throne. 
Jesus' path to overthrow Rome, to be the king, to be the Messiah, to right the wrongs, to be the reason we're singing Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Finally, God has sent us our liberator. Here he is coming on the colt. And there Jesus was. And he, too, had to wrestle with it later in the week. And we'll talk about it. God, take me from this challenge that's ahead. Take this cup from me, he says. He knew what was to happen when he went in the colts. Roman emperor rides into Rome on the white stallion with the roses on the ground. Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a colt, letting people sing, Hosanna, Hosanna. He knew what was ahead of him. But the thing is, is Jesus, and we've been talking about this, Jesus' peace, the kingdom of God, the love, all the gifts that Jesus brings into the world are not of the same expectation that we have you know, we, we talked a, a number of weeks ago about the analogy of the mother hen. That Jesus uses this analogy of the mother hen and talks about the foxes. And I, I told the story of a farmer here at our congregation who had a bunch of chicks and tried to keep them safe, and the mongooses came, right? And it was not good for the chicks afterwards. It was a, it was a massacre of the chicks. A, a mother hen would not have been able to protect the chicks from the mongoose. We talked about that. A mother hen would not be able to protect the chicks from the foxes. Jesus was not going to protect the Jews from Rome. I mean, he could have, but he didn't. But the kingdom, the peace, and the love that he brings was different. It didn't make sense to the disciples. It didn't make sense to the Pharisees. It didn't even make sense to Pontius Pilate later on in the story. that his kingdom came with letting go, finding peace and joy amidst the pain, amidst the lost expectations, finding peace that came through a cross. And as we find ourselves kind of at this stage uh, in the pandemic, but also just kind of everyone in our lives, I think that for many of us, we have this idea of the way that life was supposed to be, right? You know, you look back on like when I was in college and thought about what my 20s and 30s would look like, and they look exactly the way that I thought they would, right? <laughs> and I think that for many of us, the challenge is, is that I think that we held this idea that they might have been different and sometimes in a better way. Sometimes it's easy to think about where we're at and be like, I thought this stage was going to be better in some way. You know, I was going to have more money, or I was going to have more freedom, or I wasn't going to have these physical ailments, or, you know, my, you know, everything would be going magically as a parent and in my relationship, and all these things about the future that we can place on it. And then when we find ourselves there, we say to ourselves, I mean, this is nothing like what I thought it was going to be. And the way that we can continue to go is continue to regret the ways that the loss that we had 
Like, parenting didn't look like what I, I didn't expect to get mad at my kids as much as I did, or I didn't expect to lose my job or have this devastation happen in my family or lose my spouse either to death or to divorce. And to stay there and to think that everything is lost because of it. But cultivating something new is letting go of those expectations. What's happened has happened, and it can be painful and it can be sad, but cultivating new is taking what's here and now and allowing God to lead us step by step into the future. To say, maybe it doesn't look the way I expected it to look right now, but this is the life that God has blessed me with. How do I see it as such? Quinna, can you put that other slide up on the, on the screen? One of my mentors from college posted a picture of this Ukrainian pastor. Remember, before I talked about the, the you know, tanks that went in to the area, and here he posted the story of this Ukrainian pastor that as the tanks were coming in and people were fleeing and trying to get out, this pastor stayed in the town. And you can see he's holding grocery bags. And, and what he chose to do in that current moment was to stay and to bring food to some of his members that didn't leave or couldn't leave and to anyone else in the community decided to start organizing people to do the same, to, to bring food to people that needed it, that couldn't get out. This was not what he had expected this time to look like. He was going to lead his people through Lent to joyful Easter. He chose to stay amidst the pain. And my mentor says, this is the kingdom of God. Popping up where you least expect it. You can pull down the slide, Kona. That there was the kingdom of God at the exact moment, the tanks and the power and everything that would cause the kingdom a threat. It was happening nonetheless with the pastor, and it's not just this pastor, it just was an example, right? Choosing to live out the kingdom amidst, amidst it. I don't know what the pain is of the loss in your life that you're experiencing or that your loved one is, but how do we choose the kingdom amidst? How do we choose to continue to serve, to cultivate humility, cultivate peace, and perhaps even hope. Perhaps even hope. Because, friends, Jesus somehow cultivates this sense of hope. And for us, it stirs. You know, we got the, the palms, and we're excited, and we're ready to go. And, you know, it's got that, like, joy that's, that's there. And it will come. But there's some dark days ahead for him some hard days ahead, but it will come. 
that the joy of Palm Sunday is not that things will turn out the way that you expected. The joy of Palm Sunday is that even as we go into the darkness, we know that the God of love, that Jesus has gone there ahead of us. And I won't get to the end of the story because that's what we'll celebrate next Sunday. But let God do something in you by letting go of those expectations. And so perhaps what you can do is take those palms out and wave them on your way out and then just find some place this week or later on today to go lay your palm somewhere and pray about that expectation. I don't know what it is. Health, career, relationships. Just set it there. And maybe we'll pick it up next week and put it on the cross when we bring our flowers too. But let it sit there this week and pray that God might do something new in you as we follow the footsteps of Jesus on this last week, this holy week together.